Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you for your goodness tonight. God, I thank you for your mercy, oh God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, we serve a good God, amen. You know, sometimes there is such a thing as a bad day. There's such a thing as a tough day. Amen. Sometimes things start to fall apart around us because we're flesh. This, hu- this life is, is not perfect. But I'm thankful that we have a hope, that we have something to look forward to. Amen. Because we're not living for what's here on earth, but we're living for something much higher than that and much bigger. Amen. We have a hope in him today, and he is so, so good. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, I thank you tonight. God, for the hope that we have in you. Yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is so good. You can be seated tonight. Did want to just, uh, Brother Chuppy is just a, so everybody knows he's still in the hospital. Um, originally they thought it was pneumonia. He has some sort of infection going on, a uh, bacterial infection. They thought it was pneumonia. Um, now it's possible that he could have an infection on his heart. So they're not entirely sure um, what's going to happen next. So let's just keep keep Brother Chuppy in our prayers and also just pray for, if you could just really be in prayer for Sister Anita. Um, things aren't looking good right now. She's in the ICU, uh, congestive heart failure. She's an AFib, uh, has a lot of fluid on her heart right now, and uh, she needs a touch from God. She needs a healing. Let's just pray for that family, for Sister Vivian, Brother Daniel, um, Vivian's sister, that God would just be a comfort to them during this time. It's not easy. It's not easy. Life's not easy. It's just not. But thank, thankfully that we can lean on God today. Amen. Well, I think I remember how to do this. <laughs> it's been two weeks. And I wasn't completely intentional. Um, but... Uh, Let's see if I remember how to do this. We, we had some good teaching the last several weeks. Brother Fogarty, we had Brother Jones. Of course, Brother Chemist ministered to us Sunday. And, uh, but I'm, I'm ready to be back up here. Sunday I wanted to preach, uh, to be honest with you. So God is so good. We're going to continue um, our series and our lessons on 1 Corinthians. Uh, we started last a couple of weeks ago on, on 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We talked a little bit about um, the city of Corinth. We talked about the reason why Paul wrote the letter and a little bit of background and history of it all. And we're going to continue going through 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and finish up that chapter today. And then my, uh, my hope is that every week from here on out, it would be just one chapter per week and that God would, uh, would speak to us through this. I, I believe in, in teaching the word of God. And, uh, and I believe in 1 Corinthians is, is a book that I've been reading, and there's some things that I had questions on and began to study out for myself, and it's just a, a good, solid book to, to go through, because there's a lot in there. 
because the Corinthians had, had some problems. They had a lot of problems that Paul was trying to help them with and correct them. But we're going to start tonight, and you can just remain seated. We're going to start in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 17. We're going to be talking about uh, the wisdom of God and the, the wisdom of the world. Uh, verse 17 says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of, the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God, okay? The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. Of God and Paul was making a, a very important point that there was a difference between two groups of people. He was making a distinction here. He was talking about those that are perishing and those that are saved, or those that are, are in the process of walking with God. And to the world, the message of the cross is foolishness. Okay, it doesn't add up. Um, it's not logical. Uh, philosophy can't explain it. And it doesn't reconcile with men's wisdom. The idea of being saved through a crucified man doesn't make sense. How could life come from death? How could their salvation come from a Roman crucifix and a carpenter's son born in Bethlehem, a man from Nazareth. How, how could the cross, a man dying on a cross, bring salvation? The term, the, the message of the cross, um, it sort of rolls off our tongue pretty easy today. Um, we've heard it before, it makes sense to us, um, but it took the, both the Jews and the Gentiles by surprise. It wasn't, uh, this concept wasn't familiar to them. It would be like for us today, in, in today's terminology, it'd be like being, it'd be like saying the message of the electric chair, the message of lethal injection. That wouldn't make any sense to us today. But that's, what it, that's how it was heard to them back then, the message of the cross. The cross to them was meant for thieves. It was meant for conspirators and, and such like. But to those that are saved, to those that are, are sanctified, to those that are walking with God, Paul says it is the power of, of God. It is the power of God. So Paul was making this distinction in Romans 1.16. Uh, Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also 
to the Greek. Brother Daniel, did you mess me up? Okay. This needs batteries? All right. Until something's wrong. Praise God. All right, Romans 1.16. Paul was saying it is the power of God. The gospel message, the, the message of the cross is the power of God that leads us to salvation. And Paul up here, he said, he said for the preaching of the cross. And understand that, that the preaching of the cross um, is what brings the power of God. But it's, we have to respond to the preaching of the cross for salvation in our lives. Okay, so like, for example, an easy example is, is Acts chapter 2. Peter preached, he preached the message of the cross. In Acts chapter 2, if you read, you know, when he, when he stood up with the 11 and he began to preach until we get to Acts 2, he was preaching the message of the cross. He was preaching Christ crucified. And the power of God pricked their hearts and it led them to salvation. So it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So when we believe in and have faith in the gospel, we experience the life-changing power of God. Amen. And that's why we get excited about the Holy Ghost. We get excited about the power of God because old things are then passed away. Amen. And all things become new. It's exciting to walk a new life that God can take a sinner like me and he can make me new. Amen. He can change my thinking. Amen. He can change my emotions. If you're struggling today with your emotions and your thoughts, God can change them. If you will let the power of God work in your life, he can change, he can take away fear and doubt. He can give you, he wants to give you a new direction and a new perspective and it comes through the power of God. It's not through human wisdom. It's not through anything that man can do, but it's the power of God. And this is, this is sort of the, amen. Testing one, two, testing one, two, three. There we go. That sounds pretty good. Um, and, that, and that's where we get ourselves into trouble is we try, of course, you know, living in the world about half of my life, about a third of my life now. Wow, it's been a third of my life. I, I live for the, I've been living for God twice as long as I didn't. But before, before Christ, before God, we were just trying to do it ourselves. We were trying to fulfill that void ourselves through what we knew, through, what, through our understanding. And it was fruitless. We couldn't do it on our own. 
But the power of God moved. Amen? So we move on to verse 19. It says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? Um, other, other translation says the disputer of the age. Hath not God made foolish the, the wisdom of this world? And after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. And it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And of course, Paul wasn't saying preaching was foolishness. He was just making the point that, that to, to human wisdom, preaching seems foolish. But God used the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And Paul, in, this, in 19 and 20, he was quoting Isaiah 29, 14, asking, where is the wise? Where, where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this world? In spiritual matters, God destroys the wisdom of men and the wisdom of the world. No human intellect or wisdom can explain God's ways. In our own human wisdom, we cannot explain the ways of God. I don't know if anybody has just had those moments where you just had God work out a situation in your life. And, and, you, just, and it, it, you just realize, you're like, I can't believe that God just did that. And you begin to kind of backtrack through the history uh, of the order of events of the situation. And of course, you're praying about it. You're, you're, you're asking God to, to take care of the need in the situation. And of course, a lot of times when we begin to talk to God about the situation, we have in mind how we think God should do it, right? We like, God, if I was you, I would just smote him and, and I would just take him out. I mean, God, I would just take care of that boss. And I mean, we, we have how we think that God should do it. God, you know, I, you're praying for a, a, a financial blessing and God, I, if I was you, I would just send a check tomorrow, show up in the mail and I can just open it up and take it to the bank. That'd be really easy, God. So we, we kind of have it figured out how God should do it. And I, here's the deal. He never does it that way. Ever. Ever, ever. <laughs> and I think, he, he, you know, just because you think he should do it that way, I think God just does it a different way. Right? Because his ways are not our ways. So I, I've had that happen several times through... Um, just some financial things. I'm like, God, you really worked that out, but it was crazy how you did it. That was, I, I, mean, I never would have thought that up myself. God, you're pretty smart. Amen? So our human intellect and wisdom can't explain God's ways. When it comes to our soul and our salvation, um, if the world is pulling a certain way, we as children of God, we ought to be looking the other way, okay? So the world and, 
And, and, and, and Paul talks about it, the disputer of the age. There is a, a spirit of the world that we deal with. And I believe that it's very strong, especially in America. Um, there, there's a spirit of the age that we're, that's pulling us to think and to do certain things a certain way. And as children of God, we ought to be, we ought to recognize that and look the other way. Okay? The world says you need to do this. Well, you should just look the other way. The world says you need to dress like this. You need to look like this. You need to talk like this. But we have to turn to God to know how to deal with the pull of the world. And God gives the answers. God gives direction. So when the world is pulling a certain way, we have to ask ourselves, what does God say about this? What does the Bible say about this? Um, you know, we, we have to know the word of God. We should understand the principles of scripture and not everything is laid out black and white in scripture. Not everything is just laid out, do this, don't do that. But there are principles that are intertwined through the entire book that we've got to get down in our heart. And the Holy Ghost, okay, he, the Holy Ghost is the best teacher. The Holy Ghost is what leads us and guides us into all truth and righteousness. Amen. So I'm, I'm teaching tonight the very best I can. But my, my prayer as a teacher is that I can teach you how to be taught by the Holy Ghost. Because when God puts that on your heart to, and the world's pulling you to do, to do this and to, to talk like this, that the Holy Ghost is saying, no, you ought to turn away from that. Okay, you ought to be looking the other way. That's, that's against my very nature. That's against the principles that I have. That's against my character. And that's where we get into talking about holiness. Like we believe in holy living. We believe in, in holding ourselves to a standard as children of God. Amen. The, the disputer of the age was the, and I, this is what somebody said about the disputer of this age, was the man who wanted to dispute every issue and solve it by human reason. It's all logic, it's intellect, it's reasoning. And the disputer of the age will make sense to your flesh. Okay? On a bad day, a bad week, the disputer of the age will make sense. And that's why it's so important that we don't walk in the flesh. Okay, but that we walk in the spirit. It is our tense, is it our, uh, it's our tendency to think that the smartest and wisest men will know the most about God. But spiritual knowledge and, and, and wisdom and understanding that comes from God comes through the message of the cross. Um, a deeper relationship with God doesn't come from human understanding, 
but it comes through spiritual understanding. And the truth of it is, is we are all on different levels as far as how smart we are. That's just the bottom line. I, I don't consider myself very smart. I, I, uh, I don't necessarily love to read. I, I, I'd be better off looking at pictures. I'm that type of guy. Um, but there's some people here that love to read. You under, you're analytical in how you learn. And, you know, that's great. I think God can use that ability. But as far as knowledge and understanding and wisdom of God, it doesn't matter how intellectual we are, okay? Because it's spiritual understanding. God speaks to the smart and to the simple the very same, okay? So it doesn't really matter how smart you are, but I'll tell you what, if you're smart, use that gifting for God, okay? And if you're simple, if you're not... Not as smart like maybe me, you might have a strong back. And sometimes we end up doing some of the grunt work. It don't matter. Just use what you got. Because it doesn't really, as far as drawing close to God and having a relationship with God, it's spiritual understanding. We understand that um, it, it is significant that the smartest, most educated people tend to have the least regard for God. And this isn't always true. Um, it's not always the case, but if we look at our colleges and we talk to professors and we look at the culture of our academia, it seems that's the case. Um, even, even amongst our, you know, Bible colleges, it seems like there's seeds of liberalism and and they lean on a lot of intellect and under, you know, human reasoning to try to explain God. So we got we to be careful because God is the one. He said, where is the scribe? Where is the wise man? Where is the disputer of the age? God wasn't concerned about that because he, he gives understanding through the spirit of God. One day, students in one of Albert Einstein's classes were saying that they had decided that there was no God. And Einstein asked them, how much of all the knowledge in the world, Einstein asked them how much of all the knowledge in the world they had amongst themselves collectively as a class. And the students discussed it for a while and they decided that um, in the class, collectively, that they had 5% of all human knowledge amongst themselves. Einstein thought that their estimate was a little generous, but here was his reply. He says, is it possible that God exists in the 95% that you don't know? Einstein was pretty smart. <laughs> God's wisdom is not man's wisdom multiplied to the highest degree. God's wisdom is a, a wisdom of a different order altogether. Isaiah 55, 8, and 9, this is familiar to us. It says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, 
nor your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Charles Spurgeon says, it is certain that a blind man is no judge of colors and a deaf man is no judge of sound and a man who has never been quickened into spiritual life can have no judgment as to spiritual things. Amen. We move on to verse 22. It says, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. Jews were looking for a miraculous messianic deliverance from their Roman bondage, much like God did in, in Egypt for the Israelites. That's what they were sort of looking for. They were looking for a king that would reign on earth with them and, and, and free them from their bondage. Their desire for deliverance um, was not bad, but their rejection of God's way of deliverance was. So again, they prayed for deliverance. They prayed that the Messiah would come. That was their hope. But they rejected it how God did it. And that's exactly what we do. We pray for certain things, and then when, when God doesn't do it our way, we tend to reject it. The Greek culture, so the Jews required a sign and the Greeks um, um, uh, says they seeked after wisdom. The Greek culture valued wisdom and philosophy and academia. Uh, their, desi their desire for wisdom was not bad. But their rejection of God's wisdom was. So no matter what culture you come out of, Jew or Gentile or, you know, southern, if you're from the south, if you're from the north, the east, or the west, it doesn't, it doesn't matter, you know, where, what your culture is and maybe what bend you have as far as a, a worldview and how you perceive things, Jesus is the answer. Because we all have an idea of how we think God should do things sometimes, and that comes from our personality, it comes from the culture we grew up in, but it doesn't really matter how we think God should do it. We just have to get on board with how he does it because he is the answer. It doesn't matter if you, if you grew up in the high rise or the hood, right? Jesus is the answer, okay? It doesn't matter, like I said, it doesn't matter if you're smart or if you're simple. Jesus is the answer. So don't reject God's ways just because it's not your way. Because most of the time, it's not going to be how you would do it. You know, the debaters talking about the Greeks and, and the, the debater of the age, they didn't like um, when, when Jesus debated with them. Because Jesus was pretty good at it. He just sometimes didn't, he didn't give them an answer. Luke 20 in verse 1 says, And it came to pass... That on one of those days as he taught the people in the temple and preached the gospel, the chief priests and the scribes came upon him with the elders. And they spake unto him, saying, Tell us, by what authority doest thou these things? Or who is he that gave thee this, this authority? And he answered and said unto them, I will also ask you one thing, and answer me. 
The baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? So in their pursuit of a question, they were questioning Jesus' authority. Jesus then asked them a question. He says, the baptism of John, was it from heaven or of men? And they reason with themselves saying, if you shall say from heaven, he will say, why then believest him not? But if we say of men, all the people will stone us. For they be persuaded that John was a prophet. And they answered, and they could not tell whence it was. And Jesus said unto them, neither tell I you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus sort of in in debating with human reasoning didn't give an answer a lot of times. And there's several scriptures, especially in the gospels like this, where he would just not say anything. He's like, well, if you can't answer me this, then I don't have an answer for you. Because they were approaching God, approaching Jesus. Of course, they didn't think he was God. They just thought he was some rogue prophet, some rogue rabbi. They were approaching him with human reasoning. And we ought to take note of this because sometimes that's what we do. We approach God with our human reasoning and then we wonder why we don't get an answer. Jesus is like, well, I, I, I can't answer this because you're seeking me with human reasoning. But we understand that also through the Gospels, when there was a sincere seeker, when there was somebody who was sincere and they would come to Jesus, he would give them an answer. A good example of that would be Nicodemus. You know, that was a pretty deep question. You know, Jesus, how, how can a man be born when he is old? I and mean, that's kind of... That's sort of philosophical, but Nicodemus came to him not questioning him in human reasoning, as he probably would in the group with the Pharisees during the day, but he came to him by night and he was asking him with sincerity in his heart, and Jesus had no problem giving him an answer to that. So we've got to approach God with the right motive in our heart. And when we begin to do that, I think we'll, we'll hear a reply from him more often. Amen? Verse 23 says, But we preach Christ crucified. Unto the Jews, it's a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks, it's foolishness. The Jews wanted a sign, a miraculous deliverance. They, they thought that this crucifixion of this Jew, it was some sort of scandal, They thought he was some rogue preacher. Um, The Greeks wanted to understand God in in ultimate reasoning, but they couldn't in their human wisdom. But instead, they were giving Christ crucified. Christ, we understand it, it means Messiah. It meant power, splendor, and triumph. And crucified meant weakness, defeat, and humiliation. So Christ crucified was the ultimate oxymoron. And this is what Paul preached. This is what the Gospels were all about. Christ 
crucified, splendor with defeat, triumph with humiliation. There was a Roman statesman named Cicero. He said this, he says, the cross, it speaks of that which is so shameful, so horrible, it should never be mentioned in polite society. If we were witnesses to the trial of Jesus when the crowd was shouting out, crucify him, crucify him. If we had our wits about us, we would have shouted back, don't crucify him. If you must execute this man, do it honorably, lest him die the death of a dignified man. But don't expose him to the horror and the humiliation of hanging on a cross. But God wanted Christ crucified. And if we don't embrace the cross, even with all its strange contradictions and demands, then we are lost. That is the message of the cross, Christ crucified. Some would say, I don't think that's necessary. If you were there that day when he was being crucified and you had any dignity and you would say, I don't think this is necessary. In our walk with God and in the kingdom of God, we understand that, that things are upside down and backwards. That God's economy is, is really, it's completely ingrained to our economy. And sometimes we can get to the point where we say things, I, I don't really think that's necessary. I don't really think I need to give that up. I don't really think I need to do this or I need to do that. I don't think holy living is really necessary. Do we really need to separate ourselves from the world? We begin to ask these questions. Is it necessary? All this shouting stuff, dancing stuff, I just don't think it's necessary. Morning prayer, church all the time. We're in church all the time. I remember when we first got in the church, my mom's like, we're in church all the time. What do they want from us? I remember my mom getting upset. Because when we first got in the church, there was like a two-week revival. We were at church every night for two weeks. What do these crazy people expect of us? Is this really necessary? But I'm sure glad that God thought it was necessary. Amen. That he would manifest himself in flesh and he thought it was necessary to die on a cross for my sins. Understand, Christ crucified doesn't make sense. Holy living, separated from this world, going to church all the time, shouting, and it doesn't make sense to human wisdom. It doesn't make sense to the flesh. Okay, Christ crucified. But I'm sure glad that he bled and died. I'm sure glad that he rose again. I'm sure glad that he thought it was necessary that that veil would be rent so that he could fill us with his spirit. I'm sure glad that he did that so I could be saved. That's why, to me, it's easy to come to church. It's easy to get excited about this. 
even though it's contrary to the world because he was crucified. Christ crucified. I wonder what would happen if we would just decide um, to completely change our mindset and we would just really put off the things of the flesh. And we would say, this doesn't make sense to my flesh. It goes against everything I was taught growing up. It goes against everything I was taught in school. But I'm going to be radical. I'm going to give my everything to him. I know it doesn't make sense to this world. It doesn't make sense to the flesh. But I don't care what the world thinks. I'm a child of the king. Amen. Sister, you can be proud of your long hair. Okay, you can, be, you can be proud of your modest dress. You should walk around with that meek and quiet spirit. I know it's against everything you see on social media of how a lady's supposed to be. Everything around us has created a mold that we should try fit. Maddie, you can walk into those halls of that school every day and be proud of who you are because you're a child of God. And it goes against everything else, but we can be pr- we should be radical. We should it's not a, a punishment, amen, to be Pentecostal, but it's a privilege to know this truth. It's a privilege to have this hope and this power of God working in our lives. Brother, you don't need to be ashamed at work when you don't laugh at that dirty joke. You don't need to feel deprived that you're paying your tithes and your buddies at work are making camper and boat payments. You don't need to feel deprived. You don't need to feel like you're left out. It doesn't matter if you don't know the names of the characters on the recent sitcom. You're a child of God. You're different, and it's okay. It's a good thing. The spirit of the age is saying opposite, but I'm a child of the king, and I'm just passing through this life. This is just temporary. I'm just a pilgrim passing through this land. I'm living for something much greater than what this world has to offer. I'm, living, I'm, I'm seeking spiritual understanding and not understanding in human reasoning and in the flesh. That's the kingdom of God. It doesn't make sense to give when you don't have. It doesn't make sense that life would come from death. Christ crucified doesn't make sense. Amen. Verse 24 says, But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God, because the the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. 
but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. And there was no doubt in the Corinthian church that there were Christians that were beginning to think of themselves in high terms because of God's work in them. But they had not been chosen because they were so great. (laughs) None of us are sitting here today because we did something so great. But we're sitting here because God was so great. That's the only reason we're here. Because God was so good to us. One man said, it says, He said, God isn't saying that it is better to be foolish or uneducated. Rather, he is saying that the world's wisdom and education does not bring us salvation in Jesus Christ. In putting the strong and wise and great to shame, God does not exalt the weak and the uneducated and worthless, but brings all them down to one common level. And that's that we need the message of the cross. No flesh will ever be able to say, we figured it out. No flesh would ever be able to say, he did it just how I thought he would do it. Amen. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30 says, but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. The wisdom of God isn't about just getting smart. And any wisdom that we have today any, any knowledge that we have, we ought to just thank him for it. It's not anything in me. Anything good, we understand, comes from above. So any gifting that you have, any talent that you have, any resource that you have available in your life, you ought to just thank God for it. Amen. Just thank him for it because it was because of him that we are in Christ Jesus, that who God has made unto us wisdom. He says, and righteousness. We understand today that we are righteous before God. We are not guilty. We were once guilty of sin and the penalty was worthy of death. But he, pray, he paid the price for our sin. He paid the fine as the advocate. And he was the fine as the ultimate sacrifice. And as the judge, he judged it as fine that we would walk free. Amen. I'm thankful that we were made righteous. He sanctified us. He he made us pure and holy that we could be separated unto him. 
And he redeemed us by the precious blood of Christ. That he had this plan in mind and, and he put it into flesh so that we could have access to this relationship with God. That he would give us wisdom, spiritual wisdom. He would make us righteous, sanctified, and redeemed through the message of the cross. Christ crucified. Amen. It's a simple message. It's a simple, simple message. And oftentimes we complicate it with our human reasoning. Amen. Let's all stand tonight. Wow, I haven't been done before eight in a while. Praise God. I hope this is, hope this is helping you that the truth of it is, if you're battling something in your life, you know, there are times where, where people come and they're a little disoriented and, and they have questions and they begin, to, they begin to question the things of God and, and they begin to question, you know, why we do this and why we believe that and... and uh, my, my natural instinct, and of course I, I try to handle this carefully, but I, I, I ask them, I want to ask, I don't always, I usually already know, but I'm like, have you been praying? Have you been in the word? When's the last time you fasted? And basically, you can gauge their connection to God. Gauge their connection to the Spirit of God. So if you're here tonight and you've been battling some things, some thoughts, doubts, ask yourself, why, why am I questioning these things? A lot of times it's because you've become disconnected from the Spirit of God. And when you become disconnected from the Spirit of God, you then begin to what? You're not leaning on God anymore, but you're then leaning on your own understanding. Okay, and your own understanding is very limited. And it's just human reasoning. And in our own understanding, spiritual things don't make sense. They just don't make sense. Christ crucified doesn't make sense in the flesh. But get yourself to an altar. Get yourself connected to the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you what, I've come to church before battered, bruised, a bad attitude, mad, angry, envious, jealous. Has anybody ever come to church like that? Just me? No? Okay. We've come, we have attitudes sometimes, okay? But I'm so thankful that most of the time I leave church and just one touch from God, <laughs> just one connection to the Holy Ghost, and you begin to want, you, you, you leave church just like, wow, I just love everybody, <laughs> where's that guy that I didn't want to look at when I walked into church? I want to give him a hug now. That's real. 
Because it's the Holy Ghost. Don't try to work it all out with your reasoning. Because it's not going to work. Get connected to the Holy Ghost. Amen. The wisdom of God, the understanding of God. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy tonight. God, I thank you, Lord, for the power of God that leads us to salvation. God, I thank you for the message of the cross. God, I thank you, Lord, that you were crucified for me and that you bled and that you died, that you thought it necessary, God, that your blood would be shed and that your spirit would be poured out, oh God. I thank you, Lord, for this message. God, you saved my life. God, you gave me a new life a new beginning, a new destination, God, that we have hope in you. God, I pray that every man, woman, and child in this place tonight, God, that we would connect ourselves to you, God, that we would walk in the spirit, God, and not the flesh, God, that we would put away the things of the world, the things of the flesh, the things that are so easily besetting us, God, that we would put them down, oh God, and walk closer to you, God, that we would be holy and separated unto you. Uh, God, that we would draw nigh to you, O oh God. Uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, God, I want to know you more. Uh, God, I want to have more of that wisdom and that understanding uh, in the spirit, O oh God. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Uh, yes, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Seek the power of God. Seek a deeper connection with him. And most all your problems, I should just say all of your problems, he'll take care of them. Okay, he might not eliminate them in your life, but he'll give you direction on how to handle them. Because if you're struggling and you're trying to deal with them with this, you're going to fail. But if you will trust in him and deal with it with his spirit and his wisdom, he'll bring you through it. Amen. And if you're, if you're at that mountain right now and you're having, you're having a hard time climbing that mountain, you're thinking, there's no way I can climb this mountain. You're right. You're right. But God moves mountains. Okay? He, he rolled away the stone. That's crazy. How, how did that happen? It was through the power of God. He can make a way when there seems to be no way. So stop trying to figure it out yourself and let God do it. Man, I feel like preaching. I'm out of notes though. All right, you're dismissed tonight. In Jesus' name, God is so good. Greet, greet your brother, greet your sister tonight, give him a hug and the Holy Ghost. Jesus.